Welcome to the Inside the Board Study Smarter Podcast. I am Patrick Beeman, your host. This is part two of our internal medicine cardiology review. We're going to get right into the content after the intro, but just a reminder, go to our website, insidetheboards.com, sign up for our email list. We are going to be having an enhanced version of Step 2 Secrets with me and Ted O'Connell, the author of that book, which will be released in our beta iOS app, which is due out any day. As well, we've got a few other things coming down the pike for you. So sign up, tell your friends. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Inside the Board's Study Smarter series dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed on your exam. A 67-year-old male presents with substernal chest pain that's crushing in nature and is not relieved by rest. He is pale, cool, and diaphoretic. He received aspirin and nitroglycerin by the emergency medical services. His vitals are his vitals are a heart rate of 110, respirations of 24, and a blood pressure of 90 over 60. His EKG shows ST segment elevation in the inferior leads. And importantly, the nearest facility with percutaneous coronary intervention capabilities is 40 minutes away. What is the best next step in this patient's management? Is it A, intravenous abciximab? God, I love saying that. What a cool word. B, serum troponin. C, intravenous streptokinase. Or D, emergently transport the patient to the nearest facility with PCI capability. All right. So Hmm. let me see here. Um, inferior MI. Inferior, yeah, let's break it down. Diagnosed by, by EKG. So we can ignore all that stuff that comes before because we have the diagnosis. ST yep, segment. They, they, they told you what's going on here and they're asking, what do we do next? Yep. So um, 40 minutes, I bet that's important. Yeah. So that really comes into our time of like how we're going to treat this, right? Um, 40 minutes, that's not too long, especially if this person just now started having this chest pain. Um, we've already talked about 90 minutes being an important time for us to get somewhere or once we're in the door, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I mentioned that, you know, that time starts when you get to the hospital. Uh, 40 minutes, I think, is fair. Um, I think, honestly, given... Uh, I think 40 minutes is probably shorter than a lot of people give it um, credit for. I think they would think that, oh, that's a long amount of time. I actually think that's kind of short. So I, I would say let's go let's go to a facility that can help this patient appropriately uh, and get our percutaneous coronary intervention, right? Boom, and you are correct. So the patient's having a STEMI. Door-to-balloon time is 90 minutes. That's what you're looking for on the exam. So if he gets transported over to 
the uh, the facility that has a PCI capability, um, then then PCI is is the right the right answer if it's less than sixty minutes from a PCI facility. Yeah, if we're if we're further out than that, um, is that when we're going to consider uh, using like a clot busting drug, like streptokinase? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, what about things you would do as best next steps in management if they listed, say, transport to a facility with PCI capability? streptokinase and say um, low molecular weight heparin mm. so low molecular weight heparin you know we're, we're considering taking them to a, a facility where we're going to do an intervention on them where we're not going to want a anticoagulant therapy on board necessarily uh, and if we have time, um, you know, something like low molecular weight heparin, it prevents new clots from being formed, but it doesn't get rid of clots that are already there, for instance. Uh, so that's not going to be too help- helpful for us, right? I would rather us just hold that and let's go. Okay. So it doesn't change if uh, heparin is one of the options in terms of the best next steps. Yeah, I, I mean, I the problem, you know, it could be given. I don't think you're going to get, you could have both answer choices, though. They both couldn't be correct, right? Right. So if, that, if you took off the transport or if you say they're going to be transported, then that could be a choice, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if that was in the vignette where they're going to be in a facility in 40 minutes, what do you do while, while they're waiting? We can go into the whole like Mona Bass, Bash, uh, Mona Bash, um, interventions that we could go through for this patient which, at that time. Which for those who so, have not yet studied that in their third year clerkships, what, what exactly is that? So Monabash is a bunch of drugs that we can give for an acute coronary um, intervention, I guess, right? Yeah. So we're going to start, you know, the I, I don't particularly like the order of them, um, so don't use it for the order, but the, the, the mnemonic goes morphine, oxygen, uh, nitrates, nitroglycerin, uh, aspirin, a beta blocker of some sort, um, ACE inhibitors, statins, and um, heparin. Um, another, you can add an A for like just general anticoagulation, mm-hmm. right? Um, the reality is you're going to give this patient oxygen. You're going to give them aspirin and nitrates, right? Um, you're probably going to start some more anticoagulation therapy like Plavix or clopidogrel, you might give them a, a heparin drip at the time as well. Um, morphine is for treating their pain, anxiety, which can also uh, 
you know, there's some evidence that that can make them less stressed about the pain and can relax them a little bit, which is a problem when you're having a heart attack is you're not relaxed and that's, uh, that can lead to more damage, right? Because you're trying to have, uh, more cardiac work while you're under stress, right? Yeah. There's like a catecholamine response that can be, uh, if you can tamper that down, you might help them in the long run. Um, nitrates, we know cause some vasodilation, which will help with the arteries if they are amenable to opening, um, beta blockers to control rate, also get the blood pressure down, right? Um, you know, statins and, you know, like an ACE inhibitor, those are going to take some time to work. So like those are kind of lower down on your list when you're starting them, but you know, they're on that, um, they're part of that workup as well. All right. What about this? Let's say the vignette's the same. You got a dude who's got, uh, a STEMI and you're 40 minutes away from a PCI facility but his history is positive for congestive heart failure. How would that change the management? Ooh, that's kind of getting over my head at this point. So if he's in heart failure, right? All right, so let's say this vignette were a little bit different. You've got a person with a STEMI, right? And... The PCI place is 40 minutes away, but instead of what is the best next step in management, we've got a, an interrogatory that is, which of the following treatments is contraindicated? And importantly, the history mentions this patient has a, uh, a diagnosis of congestive heart failure. And your answer choices are, a, PCI, is that contraindicated? B, beta blockers, is that contraindicated? Three, or C, aspirin, is that contraindicated? Or D, morphine, is that contraindicated? Hmm. So I'm kind of between the beta blocker here with heart failure, right? And what else? The morphine bugs me a little bit too. Uh, if they're already ha if they're in heart failure and they have a, um, you know, they they've got crackles in their lungs, they're probably not breathing too well. And we're gonna decrease their respiratory respiratory drive. Um, that could be kind of dangerous for them as well. Um, yeah. Beta blocker decreasing their cardiac output, which is important for the heart failure patient, you're kind of having to balance that with the fact that their heart is under strain and stress right now, um, given that they're having their heart attack. Yeah. Right. So those are two very, I, I have trouble, um, reconciling those two meds for the, for the patient. So you'd say beta blockers contraindicated. Yeah, I would avoid yep, it. Correct. So that's just what I was getting at. Um, one other little, you know, learning point here is, um, someone's got a STEMI and CHF, uh, then avoid giving them a beta blocker in that acute, uh, emergent setting. Yeah. 
chances are they've already taken a beta blocker during that time period too. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but this is a testing environment. It's black and white. Exactly. You know? Not, yeah. yeah, very, very no gray zones here. Amen. All right. Want to move on? Yeah, I think we're, we've beaten that a little bit. Right. So our, Let's go. our final one for this uh, cardiology review is, well, why don't you go ahead? <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, we may have touched on this a little bit, as you can imagine. So a 45-year-old man comes in for a non-ST-elevated MI. He has a heart catheterization, which reveals non-obstructive coronary artery disease. No stents are placed. He is arranging discharge at this time. What medications are indicated for this patient on discharge? Ooh. Is it A, aspirin, a statin, beta blocker, an ACE inhibitor, B, aspirin, statin, beta blocker, and calcium channel blocker, C, nitroglycerin, aspirin, beta blocker, and ACE inhibitor, or D, nitroglycerin, statin, beta blocker, and ACE inhibitor. Oh. That might be a little tough to grapple from an audio standpoint, guys. So um, Basically, the differences are A and B, you give aspirin, statin, beta blocker, but with A, you also give ACE inhibitor. With B, you also give a calcium channel blocker. And then for C and D, you're giving a nitro beta blocker ACE inhibitor plus for C, aspirin, or for D, plus a statin. Yeah. Uh, so all of these are pretty good drugs. Patrick, which one are you going to give them? All right. Well, I mean, <laughs> after you ran through the Mona Bash mnemonic, which 10 years ago was just Mona uh, in my medical school training. So I'm going to go with the one that has the most of, uh, or the ones that have the most of those. So I'm going to rule out B because calcium channel blockers, uh, I don't know, in a lot of contexts seem like just symptomatic kind of treatments and or second lines for various things. Um, and so that leaves me with, uh, let's see, he's got an N-STEMI, and so nitroglycerin is, is it true that I can say this is essentially kind of like, um, uh, like, uh, stable, no, no, no. I'm inclined to say A, the aspirin statin beta blocker ACE inhibitor combo. Um, but I'm not quite sure why not to give nitro. Hmm. It's tough. So, right. Like which ones, I, I guess the, the question really then is making you really delineate. Does this patient need either a statin or nitro yeah in this case or aspirin and 
Well, I'm going to say Nitro, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're going with aspirin, statin, beta blocker, and an ACE inhibitor. And I think that's fair because I don't think, you know, if you if you were to give them nitro in instead of a statin, like a, a statin is going to have good utility for um, helping stabilize like vessels, preventing future plaque rupture, right? Yeah. Uh, nitro is more for relieving like angina symptoms. This person's already had their um, uh, unstable, you know, they, they've had an in STEMI, so they're, they're beyond that at this point. It might be good to give them that if they do experience anginal pain, um, but that one is sort of up in the air as whether or not they need it, right? Yeah, because are, are they, if it's unstable angina, like, and you give them, like, nitro, is it, is it really going to help? Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So it, it kind of beyond that point, honestly, at, at this point. And then to, to sub it out or to, to give that instead of aspirin, I think would not be useful. Um, recently, there was actually a study that was saying you should no longer, uh, what is it? I think aspirin should only be used for secondary prevention. Uh, this patient doesn't meet the age criteria, but if someone has had symptoms, like they would be a good patient to have on aspirin. Uh, there were recent literature suggesting that maybe you shouldn't have them on a statin or an aspirin regimen for primary prevention though. Um, but this, that's not this case. We've already had our heart attack. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're trying to prevent future heart attacks, right? Yep. All right. So. And STEMI, about to be discharged, non-obstructive coronary artery disease, aspirin, statin, beta blocker, ACE inhibitors. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else on this one? No, not that I think can think of. Um, one thing that I'm trying to remember for the last question we were talking about they had an inferior MI, and they were given nitroglycerin. Did you ever learn that you shouldn't do that? Um, no. Did you? <laughs> I think that's come up a couple times where they say, you know, if you're having an inferior MI or like a posterior vessel disease, um, giving nitroglycerin can induce like a severe hypotension and that is how that patient presented um and i'm trying to remember what the reasoning behind it is we'll have to get back to us and get back to things on that right <laughs> i mean so far as nitro goes i don't know that i actually learned this but i did look it up and nitro is contraindicated in a right inferior wall infarction um, and instead you just give uh, fluids to to maintain the blood pressure uh, but uh, I'll be frank I don't know if that applies to all inferior wall infarctions 
Um, but at least we can say for a learning point, it's right inferior wall infarctions. Yeah. So I, what I'm thinking happens if you give nitro, uh, you end up causing hypotension and you decrease like you basically add like heart failure on top of this patient, right? Yeah. Uh, so now they're not pumping blood as well, um, because if they're if they're having an inferior MI, that that's going to be uh, related to their their left ventricle, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So if they stop pumping blood, um, we have problems. Agreed. All right, that makes sense. So we need to we we need to give them fluids in that case to keep their preload up so they continue to perfuse and if we give them nitro we might uh decrease their preload on top of this right yep i'm thinking that's the reason but i'd have to look back through my notes okay well um i don't know i i would say just there, there's your homework assignment. We're going to start giving homework assignments for anything that we're not uh, sure on. Um, so there's your homework assignment. Is it all inferior MIs or just right-sided inferior MIs? Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. Subscribe to our all-audio QBank. Just go to insidetheboards.com. Thanks to Online MedEd for providing this content. If you have not yet bought your online MedEd subscription, and we know you're going to use it like 80% plus of third-year medical students, click the link in the show notes um, to, to sign up because they give us a little bit of a kickback for doing so, which helps us continue to create this content, um, especially pay for the editing of these, which allows us to just record and get you more content rather than have to sit there and tediously edit this, which is probably not the best use of either mine or uh, Stuart's time. Today's music is by DJ Bezo, a.k.a. Augustine Beeman. The song is King Jeff and his apprentice Bart. We'll be featuring more from this young emerging artist who also happens to be my son. I'm just really proud of the creative work he's doing and wanted to support him in his endeavors. So thank you, Augustine. We'll look forward to more of your art, which we'd be happy to feature on the ITB podcast.